It was all a pipe dream Watching bodyboarding up on TV Deep at reef, watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds at 18 Living the dream with no sunscreen Yeah, we were so keen Surfing Aussie pipe, buying Riptide Eating shit right, pies, today and welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast The home of bodyboarding Thank you for joining us on episode 4 of our Verbal Journaling And I'm your host, Luke O'Connor Well, today's guest needs no introduction An absolute shred head from Byron Bay one of the biggest all-time boog frothers and style masters you'll meet. And he's the lead singer of Parkway Drive. Please give it up for Winston McCall. How are you, guys? <laughs> no intro, and then you just gave me a huge wind-up. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Cheers, man. Thanks. <laughs> oh, happy days, man. I've been looking forward to, this, um, to have this conversation for ages, so I was... Um, don't worry, like, slowly rehearsing that in my head. Nothing too, yeah. too meditative, but, you know, I, I was into it. It's a good one, man. It's a good one. Cheers, <laughs> man. What's um, what what what's been happening? How's how's life been? Oh, life skits. <laughs> it's nuts. Like, yeah, it's just just nuts. Like the band's starting up again off COVID, which means like getting yourself back in gear after three years of not doing touring or anything like that. And then um, yeah, it's just all it's all pretty mental at the moment. Like we went and filmed some stuff for like Fox League for the NRL and stuff the other day, which was just a trip. Like it's wow. a full of, it's just weird stuff going on where I'm like, whoa, we're doing this thing now. So yeah, between that and like getting injured in the surf, it's all a bit interesting. <laughs> oh man, tell me about your injury. What's happened? Yeah, yeah. I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah, I strained my MTL like first first swell out the reef up here like hit the bottom like the hardest i've ever hit it which was annoying like on a shit one too like you know when something comes through and your brain knows that it's the wrong direction and it's a bad wave to take but for some reason you take it anyway and i did that and just smashed my ankle like blew my fin to pieces i literally had like possibly five centimeters of rubber left in my fin saver and um it twisted my like ankle out and then my leg out as well and strained my MCL. So, um, yeah, it's been frustrating. It's just like a niggle that won't leave me. It's like, yeah, it's been like a couple of months now. It's still there. It's like haunting me. I've got a couple of sessions in in between, but then every now and then you'll land something or you'll be like get pinched on a barrel and you'll just tweak your, tweak your foot out and you'll be like, Ugh! feels like like my calf's getting ripped off or something it's horrible yeah no i know what you mean too man because with a, a fin you've obviously got something anchoring down your foot that's and it. whatever way that moves it's going to pull your knee in that yeah yeah, that's it. yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Man. and was that um that's a that's a local reef up byron bay way yeah. obviously no disclosure but you know no 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 yeah yeah it's just that's... my life which is nice but it's, it throws water when it wants to it's interesting it's uh yes. some so... And it well, just we've also had a, over the season. It was like first session of the season, bad direction, just too too psyched up. It's like I need a slab, and I was like, not this one. All the kanji's dead on the rock from the flood water, so it's just hitting like solid lava. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's interesting. I, I didn't, um, I didn't even think of that. So obviously, I didn't I think of that until I hit it either. <laughs> I haven't really thought about it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's strange. I've hit a couple of times this this year, and it was like normally there's a little bit of bounce to it. And this time, it's just like you're just getting boulders in the back. As soon as your limb hits it, your bones straight to the bones. It's horrible. Oh man, we've gone through a crazy biblical stage. Eh? It's gone fires, floods, plagues, and now yeah, floods. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the war coming up as well. 
good times. <laughs> yeah, man, I know, I know. You kind of forget that's like milling on in the background, but that's yeah. really affecting so many facets of our life. We don't even realize. Yeah, it's very new. Yeah. Oh, dude. So um, you did it this at the start of the winter season. We've had heaps yeah. of crazy East Wells and like whatever, but really you've probably saved yourself a couple of crazy ear infections and throat, throat <laughs> issues and all that kind of jazz. The water's been filthy, mate. Yeah, probably have, to be honest. Like, I mean, that's probably why I did something dumb in the first place. Like, we didn't get to surf for almost the first six months of the year because the floods were so mental. Like, there was waves in there. But it was like, uh, yeah, you look at it and there's like a telegraph pole going out and a cool room and <laughs> uh, like a water tank. Like it was the kind of thing where you just, we gave up like after a month of it thinking maybe it's going to go away. We just straight up gave up surfing. So it wasn't until the water slightly cleared a bit that basically all of autumn was kind of cooked. And, um, yeah, it was pretty nuts. Like, the, the t- it's taken a long time for the debris to go. And even, like, down here when we're running to the beach now, it's still, like, you're running past a water tank and a half-submerged, like, piece of someone's pool from way inland that's just got, like, a bit of it sticking out of the sand and then several litres of plastic buried in the in the sand. It's, like, it's nuts, man. It's a weird, weird thing to see and a weird time to, time to surf. So, yeah. Yeah, no, like I totally agree. I've, I've obviously up your way to be um pretty standard to see you know certain farm animals float by, but down here yeah. in Granada, we actually had two cows wash up at the beach at Wanda. We don't have a beach. I mean, we don't have a, a farm. Sorry, in, in Kuri yeah. of the Shire, you know. So there was some crazy water Where moving around. And... Sorry. Where would that have come from? Oh, man, that's got to come up, I think, all the way up the Georges River, which makes yeah. its way out to, like, Liverpool and Warwick Farm and, you know, West Sydney, like, deep. Yeah, Jesus. Heck, yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Both his legs were gone. Oh! That's well. <laughs> oh! oh. That's gnarly, yeah. yeah. Well, sorry, not both, but, I mean, like, the front two were gone and the back two were on, you know, so obviously oh. something had a bit of a nib. Yeah, that's gnarly. Heck. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, man, like obviously up in in, in Byron, you've, you've you've got your spots and and you've obviously got it super dialed. Like I've spoken to Winnie a couple of times, and he um he he always goes on about how you're one of the keenest dudes to surf. Um, yeah. With almost every day, you message him going, "I'll be here at this time." Da 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 da. Gonna no. get my fix. Are you keen? Obviously, he's a he's a pretty busy dude. Um, himself. I just want to ask you, how do you keep the froth going after all these years like what drives you to keep bodyboarding oh it's my that's my one of my passions but it's my identity like that's the thing it's it's um i don't connect with wave riding like any other way in the same way that i do riding a lid like i can ride anything you throw in front of me these days because like when you live in in byron there's plenty of plenty of times when the sand's crap and the reefs get covered in sand, there's no banks, and you're like, right, I'm riding a log at the pass, just getting two-minute rides where I just stand still and, like, just zone out, which is great fun, and you get used to just basically riding to the conditions because there's not a constant. But the lid, for me, is, like, it's still a passion. I still love it. It's still, like, anyone that's ridden one knows that there's a different, like, you're riding a different part of the wave different type of the wave and there's a completely different feel in the way you ride like it's it's one step away from body surfing but it allows you to like 
not be like at, so much at the mercy of the wave and be able to actually draw interesting lines and stuff like that. So for me, it's still that connection. And you just kind of, you can't get it on another craft. It's interesting. Like I've had chats with Noah Dean about it because he's writing a lid and a stick these days and doing really well on both. And like he acknowledges the difference straight up, just like, no, it's surfing and, and writing a lid. It's like almost not comparable. And Isn't it so validating that you bring that up that Noah Dean possibly yeah. one of the world's greatest surfers at the moment and yep. his ability to launch, you know, 20 foot in the air in any given yeah. stage can literally go, well, bodyboarding has seriously got its place because that craft is so easily um, utilised in ways of consequence. Not like yep. easily in regards to anyone could just hop on it and, and do it, but it suits it so down to the ground that even yep. one of the world's greatest surfers is going, you know what, certain sessions, I'm going to get the lid out and I'm going to have a time in my bloody life. Yeah, man, and it's it's nuts. Like most of the sessions up here, he's he's out on the lid, which is hilarious and and going for it. But yeah, it, it probably is. Like you look at slabs, they're like they're made for the lid. You're like yeah, anything where you've got to take off late under the lip. And you look at the guys at like the right and stuff like now, where they're they're paddling ridiculous ones and figuring out how to make that line work. And it's so far beyond accessible for any other any other board type. And I don't know, like I'm, I'm not out of the right, but I enjoy a slab and like I, I enjoy something, a wave that's got steps on it. I enjoy the fact you can ride waves. Like I'm not chasing a perfect wave. I'm chasing something that's imperfect because they're the really interesting ones. Like when you're in a position where you've got to warp, like warp your body to the wave shape because it's not doing something normal and it's not doing something predictable, that's when it's really fun and really enjoyable because like you find the way that the power shifts it's not shifting like when you've got a wedge or you've got a you've got a ledge or something like that the power doesn't come in just in like one straight predictable line that you're just like cutting apart it's that feeling of like hanging your legs up on the drop and then like getting almost into like a scorpion position and then releasing it and then having to change direction in the barrel and shift your weight around as like it turns around the reef or something like that or like changing your line on a wedge and like all of that kind of thing. It's um, it's just a really different, interesting way of riding. And I find like it's the connection with the power of the wave is, is really rad. And like other than that, it's just sick in general. Like <laughs> who doesn't, who doesn't like getting like riding a foam ball or smacking like a huge section. Like I'm turning, I'm turning 40 in two weeks and I'm still doing things where my body is telling me, don't hit that section, don't hit that section. And I'm like, no, <laughs> got to i've got to hit it and i'll deal with it like the next day i'll deal with the landing like consequences the next day but i've got to hit it because it's too fun <laughs> you, you make such a valid point the way you can harness energy on a bodyboard is like nothing else like the, as you're saying you can coil your body you can spread your legs you can get into intricate parts of the waves that you know the normal average joe surfer doesn't understand at all and will probably never be able to have the skill level to utilize yeah. that like a lot of people say bodyboarding is easy to pick up but very hard to master so that's what makes yeah. it so it makes it so appealing you can kind of get in there and probably be not you know your five or six times a week booger that you know is, is searching out slabs and looking at weather charts and hunting down you know all different parts of the coastline with his friends it's like you can literally go you know what i'm going to go out in these sucky shories on a four foot day no other craft's really going to get me the enjoyment and I'm going to throw myself over the ledge and a couple of, you know, on a 41-inch piece of foam and, and just come up laughing every time. 
Yeah, that's it. It's really, really interesting. Like when you break it all down, just down to the basicness of it and the sense of like it's foam rather than fiberglass. It's like it's always been around that like 40, 43 to 40 inch range of board. And it's got so much less variation than a surfboard, but the application of the craft and what you can actually do with it is so like, it's something that's so fascinating for me that like you really can use it in so many different ways to, to maximize what energy the ocean throwing at you, like long down the line, point waves, slabs, wedges, shories, like all of these things that you can basically ride on a very similar board, but it will allow you to, yeah, get that get that enjoyment out of it and still connect in a in a similar way. Like it's, I find it really interesting. Like looking back at the, especially after all of the progressions made in like over the last few years of like stringer designs, hull designs, like board templates, all of that kind of stuff that we're into these days, which is really awesome to see. You go back and you watch like Stuart stuff from like the late eighties, early nineties where there's no stringer and it's a really basic board and you see what is ca- like what's possible when you truly master body weight on the basic function of foam. And you're like, wow, yeah, this is a, a like it's the most versatile craft that you can get in, in terms of the ocean. And when you choose to apply yourself to, to actually mastering it, what you can do is like, it's just fun. Like it's just, it's fun to be able to like slap a backflip and still be able to do a solid turn and drive you like either put your, put your thought pattern into like your rail game or a bit, a bit more technicality or trying to get as deep as you can on the foam ball or throw yourself into the widest closeout possible because fuck man, it'd take you like five different kinds of boards on any other craft to just approach like two of those things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, totally agree with it and and going back to the versatility point obviously like it, it it does suit so many different shapes sizes of waves but do you feel like that translates into um the certain demographic that does utilize a bodyboard on a regular basis because i look around the industry and i look around all the people that i know and rub shoulders with and are friends with and 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 just spent quality time hanging out on cliff faces or rock ledges looking at waves smoking the odd doobie just like you know taking everything in why does bodyboarding produce so many characters because man we have got some serious characters uh it's i think it's the isolation part of it and it's the isolation of the waves that are sought out like it i'm as much as i like i'll go out at lennox point every now and then or like at the pass or something and just try and go real fast and do like big turns and link like link things together because it's an interesting way of riding it. But every everyone that's ever ridden a lid knows what it's like to like have to drop over a step, take take a slab and then it gurgles out and like you skip over a step to like get into the pit. And that I think is where bodyboarding is kind of made. Like that's, that's where it is. And those kind of waves are not the waves that popular for any other type of craft, any other craft whatsoever. Like that's the imperfectness of it. And when you think about it, like Tom Moray literally made the thing so he could get over waves that were too shallow to ride a stick on in the first place in Hawaii. And that's where it's at like now. So you've got dudes chasing imperfect waves, which leads to isolation and lonerism to a degree. And 
that either leads someone to become a full-on character unto themselves because they're they're chasing it, or when you do get together, like when that like you form a solid connection, and the connections that you end up with are really genuine and quite like. I think the characters that come out of them are quite robust characters because it's a, it's that joy of being the outsider. Like, it's not like, like anyone that anyone up here that knows that like, if you try and paddle out at Kira on a lid, you're going to be like one in a hundred kind of thing. And you're going to be an outsider every, like it's been up until very recently that like, we haven't been just straight up looked at as scum. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like that's what I grew up like living. Like I and and eventually I was just like I'm not even going to bother surfing around people that, that are like that. So I'm going to either hang out with people who get what I'm about, or I'm going to surf waves that those people can't surf. And, and that, do you get some sort of validation from that, man? Because like it seems like when I'm hearing in your voice that you're quite proud about you know, being that not so much outsider, but an individual like you described there, you know, looking at different uh, different aspects of, of bodyboarding and understanding why we do get those character traits. And, and do you get a bit of a buzz out of it going, well, you know what, kind of fuck you to everyone else. I'm doing yeah. what I want. I enjoy riding this, this way and I'm harnessing this energy this way. So fuck off. Oh, yeah, 100%. Always have. <laughs> As well, that's the thing. I've had plenty of mates who have, who have traded like traded in riding the lid to be more sociable, I'm guessing, or to fit in a bit more because I don't know, like it's a challenging thing. It, it is a challenging thing and it's challenging to be an outcast in, especially when you live, like we live in Australia where the surfing com- like community is quite large. Like there's a lot of people riding, riding boards. There's a surf shop in every town, even if there's no beach in it. Um, and it's still like, you still, you always carry that stigma and, and anyone that's, that's, that grew up like surfing, um, God that started surfing any earlier than the 2010s basically knows what it's like to be on a lid. And even if everything's cordial at the end of the day, if something blows up, it's going to come down to like, learn to stand up, you fuckhead. <laughs> um, and everyone, like, oh, man, I grew up with that shit. You grow up getting hazed by everyone, dropped in for no reason, shit like that. And I don't have time for it these days, to be honest. Like, I'll either avoid it or if someone burns me, I'll ask the fuck up. So, <laughs> yeah, 100%. But but that's the thing. Like, it's, um, I don't know. Yeah, I've got a passion. I've got a passion for it and a fire for it because it's, it's like, Number one, I think it's dumb to to judge anyone that rides any kind of craft in the surf. Full stop. I think the idea about fighting for waves is so insane in the in the first place. Like, I, I understand the concept of, and I completely validate the concept of like learning to ride a break and mastering a break, and not just paddling out and going, "I deserve a wave." But the idea of actually like thinking you're better than someone because you're both ch- chasing literally and bit of energy rolling through the ocean just seems so strange in the first place and like that's it's kind of it's kind of counterproductive for me so yeah it's a it's a it's a strange one but i'll never i'll always have that chip on my shoulder about being the outsider because i've had enough friends like throw in the towel for the sake of being cool and pick up a stick and be like who used to be pretty decent pretty decent on a lid and now are now average to shit surfers just so they can say they're a surfer and, and not like have that little 
bit of shame that they felt. I'm like, I've never felt shame about it in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I can I can resonate with you there. It infuriates me when I see good friends or just associates go over to the stick. And look, I, I, I definitely enjoy a stand-up surf from time to time. You know what I mean? It's great. Yeah. Point breaks are fun. North Coast have got heaps of good waves for that. But when the waves are firing and pumping, <clears throat> you want to be on a boog 100%. And people that do roll over just for the social stigma that's accompanied with bodyboarding or laying down or, or being a cripple, so to speak, is just, yeah. is just outrageous, man. And <clears throat> sorry, I had a, a little frog in my throat there. Um, <laughs> In, dude, in Cronulla, especially, like, to, feeling from my personal experience, that the island was the home. Obviously, you, yep. you could go out there on a bodyboard and feel at home straight away. Suck Rock, pretty much the same, kind of a bit blurred these days because surfers really get into it. But any other wave um, that you were going to surf in Cronulla, and there's plentiful, you know, a plentiful number of waves, you had that dogmatic view placed upon you at all times. Yep. You could feel the eyes on you. There was crazy tension. And I was just thinking in my head then, wondering what has been your worst experience in the ocean in regards to this topic? Oh, nothing major. Like, the te- like so the only punch I've ever thrown in my life was a dude in the surf. Um, and that was out at, like, yeah, out at my spot basically and some guy came out and on a it's always a tiny day when someone likes to come out and be a dickhead but um <laughs> came out and started burning a cut like there was literally four of us out like three lids and this old dude paddling out and just burning people and then um me saying something to him and him having like coming back with that yeah but fucking at least i've got legs or some bullshit like that so i cracked him <laughs> and um he didn't like that one and paddled in and told me wait for me in the car park and I said that's sweet and then I went in and he wasn't there so and that and that was that's literally the only punch I've thrown in my entire life but like um yeah uh other than that like the only tension I've I mean you grow up with the just getting burnt and stuff like that I've never had anyone actually try and fight me I've had plenty of blow-ups at people these days but being a, a I don't know highly tattooed man generally people like no it's cool bro which is (laughs) just neat and um yeah like it was interesting the first couple of years like out at pipe um because that was like 2000 and 2001 the first two seasons i went over and that was when every like every grom in australia was in hawaii and the lineup was like 300 groms on bodyboards just going everywhere and like benny p's like fucking pull your heads in everyone you're getting in everyone's way like everyone's getting fucking pissed this is not right and this dude's splashing shit everywhere and every it's, it was so insanely tense and at the same time it's pipe and you're just like sweet all right it's there's dudes almost like cracking a fight every set and then in between like you're trying not to cop something actually on the head and like get thrown into the reef so that was like the the most tense feeling i think i've i've, I've ever had was those two years and then, yeah, it kind of all went out of vogue after, like, it seems like bodyboard is going to traveling to Hawaii, like, kind of went out of vogue after a few years, which was interesting. Yeah, it really did. And I, I um, felt the same. I was a little bit later with my first season. It was kind of 2008 or nine, And yeah. um, there was definitely still a solid bodyboarding contingency there. And, like, there was froth and, and you know, people were getting there before, before sun up and trying to get waves. And there was still a bit of tension in the water. I remember... Strachan had to shave his head one year because oh, um, yeah. 
yeah like cited in the lineup and got told to get yeah. in and then blah 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 but like i definitely agree with you i think your your time in there in the early 2000s was peak boogan for hawaii and it oh was, yeah you yeah. had to go there to prove yourself man you had yeah to go. like that was when rippies had like a hawaii issue every every year no matter what and you'd be like who got the cover of the hawaii issue and it'd just be like yeah it was the full-on proving ground and yeah, it's it's really interesting because like I've I've been back a bunch of times since, and um, it's just a completely different vibe now. It's really strange. Like I've done a few, I've gone over a couple of times, like in the last, I think seven years or so, and there'll be days where it's absolutely smoking, like bombing ten to twelve foot, like little caps coming through off second reef, and I'll rock up like at sunrise, and it's just like. Benny P and me and maybe Brian Wise and Hubble rock up like half an hour later and you got like an hour before anyone even rocks up and I'm like, dude, I remember you used to have to paddle out at three in the morning to hopefully catch a wave. And now like most of the litters are just locals and they're ripping and the lineups, the vibes got nice. And yeah, it's interesting how it changed because yeah, that I think the boom, the boom of bodyboarding was the, was that kind of, 2000s early 2000s it seemed like it was really doing a thing and then all of a sudden it just went all it all went down the plug hole kind of thing (laughs) tension was like the biggest thing in the country for a while and then all of a sudden bam like all of the riders got pulled from major like surfing brands and everything and then it was was like the dream died within the space of like two years which was really strange yeah it's almost like a bit of a Bit of insight in the crypto market, eh? Like, like I'm, I'm no expert there, but you see yeah. huge rises, major falls. Interesting one. It's a very really one. markets and whatever. Yeah, you can, if you consider it, like, I'm not sure what the thought behind it, behind it is, whether it was sales or anything like that, but I used to see, like, more lids in the water at that time than I saw surfers. And, like, it's, an, it's a known thing these days that there was a similar thing happening in like the late 80s and surfing companies and media had a straight out like there was a, literally a, a marketplace ploy to to kill that sport straight up it was like no support going into bodyboarding we need this thing to die because it's threatening the industry that we have and yeah the conspiracy theorist in me wonders if that happened again in the in the mid 2000s or if it was just a, a natural die off but um, yeah, it's, it's it's strange that it's changed, and and the, um, it seems like the core group have remained, and there there seems to be a, like it's starting up again, where there's a new wave of groms coming through. But there was a good man, there was a good ten years where I didn't see any new grommet faces in the lineup. Um, and back in the day, I was like throw throw a stone and I could hit a mate with a bodyboard. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like there's a bit of a resurgence happening again. So um, that, that makes me stoked. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, I feel the same. I think there is, um, you know, really good next gen coming through. Like we've obviously got the likes of Liam Lucas here in in Sydney. Um, yeah. There's, I know there's a couple other rippers up north and and out west. The names are skating at the moment, but I'm sure they'll be the next, the next crew pushing through, man. Um, I was just looking through a couple of your clips today. Obviously, doing a little bit of research before I, I sat down and um, spoke with him. And, and, and one quote um, that you said in a, a clip from 2014 um, when you went down to the South Australian desert um, it really stuck with me. And it reads like this, and it's quite short. The ocean is freedom. I just wondered what you meant by that. Oh, 
Fuck. <laughs> How deep do you want to go on this one? <laughs> yeah, I got all night. Let's go deep. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, so for me, that's what it, it's what it is. Like, and it comes. So this this comes back to what I was saying about the the fighting for waves thing as well. Um, I've like I've spent when I add up the amount of hours I've spent of my life sitting in the ocean, it's years. Like it's literally years of my life bobbing around in the ocean. And while, and while you're out there, you're literally floating around on like sensory deprivation without sensory deprivation. Like we're put in a, in a completely unique environment that we're not, the body's not kind of used to, but it lulls you into this state where the freedom of the mind is, is coupled with, the the energy that's going like when you think about what the waves is it's literally a wavelength it's a wavelength of energy made by the energy of a storm thousands of kilometers away which is pushing through um and that's that kinetic energy which is lifting you up and down in this rhythm and i find myself these days well it's been for a long time actually like i surf a lot a hell of a hell of a lot of time just sitting out in the middle of nowhere and feeling everything dissipate in terms of the the regular stresses and routines that you have when you're standing around and you're still captivated by gravity and the sense of something solid being under under your feet and you're either you know in a place where you're focusing completely on the ocean and feeling that energy or that energy flows through and past you where you, you lose track of time and what that provides is like it's mental and spiritual freedom. And it's that, it's that connection to something which is, which is like intrinsic to the world, which is like the way that energy and matter moves. And at the end of the day, that's like, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we like humans are spending billions of dollars and the greatest minds are trying to figure out how this shit all actually works. And for those brief moments, you don't actually know how it works, but you realize the impact of it and the freeing nature of it. So yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a little bit of, a bit of the depth. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. And I was, my, my next question being, do you feel you reach a meditative state whilst body? Oh, yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's a, like, I'm, I'm, I find it fascinating because there'll be days where I'll go out and I'll, I'll sit out in the middle of nowhere with a little spit of rock and I'll completely lose track of time and I'll surf for like six hours and I'll catch like four waves in that time and it'll go like nothing. And then there's days where I'll paddle out and I'll be in a completely different mindset and the waves are basically the equivalent and I'll just be going as many waves as I can and trying to like really focus on riding the wave and like getting these new experiences or like, honing my craft on the on the actual wave itself um and they're both different forms of it but they're both it's like it's it's either a meditative state of like focus on the riding of the wave and nothing else or it's that lulling meditative state of just being in the ocean where you literally just it's that thing where you went you went to that time tunnel it's like you know when you're driving along and it's middle of the night and you're going like you're driving from like back from a session um and you got like a four-hour drive and then all of a sudden you're just like oh shit i'm at home i can't even remember how i got here it's just time has passed and you you're like 
you you function, but you kind of can't remember like the passage of time. That's the that's the feeling that I get a lot when I'm sitting out there. So it's 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 interesting in the in the two different ways that it gives it to me. But yeah, both both similarly meditative states. I'd say. How does the feeling of bodyboarding compare to the feeling of walking out on stage in front of <laughs> thousand people, man? Because obviously, like you've there in my eyes i don't take the words out of your mouth but two of your major passions there that you know you're obviously extremely talented at and have affected um both communities both bodyboarding and the the i guess the metalcore community in regards to you know like your passion seeping out and you leading the way in, in so many different innovative ways what what's the comparison there? Like, is, yeah, is there the same meditative state? You know what I mean? Like, no, it's, it's really, it's really, well, ah, oh, it's a really hard one to explain. Um, because one is an energy that you're getting, like the, the energy that I get from, from riding waves is, is so vast in the sense of you, like, I mean, who doesn't sit in the ocean and look out the horizon and go, fuck this, that's a big unknown kind of thing. Um, and you're very aware of the power behind it as well, When, especially when, like, the waves get good and they're big, like the, the power that that it, – it can make you feel quite small and that's the challenge of it, which is really great. Um, what it's like walking on stage is um, – it's, it's an, an inner power and then it's also – it's, it's – it makes you feel humbled and small, but also um, powerful in the sense of the connection that you can make. It's a really, um, it's such a strange thing. Like I've, it's never been lost on me. The fact that uh, you can, you can put yourself and into this art that you have, which is essentially a really small thing. Like it's, it's more of my mates. We just write some music and everything else flows from that. The connections that we have, that go from that means all of a sudden we've got a whole bunch of other people who are connected to us through the art that we've made, who now work for us and help like stage the art on, put it on a stage, drive a bus, sell a t-shirt, design a t-shirt, all of this stuff. And then you put it on a stage and tens of thousands of people have connected with that same little piece of energy that you and your mates have put together to the point where it resonates in a way that they will sing and, give back the energy that you've like drawn out of them. And in that moment, it's, uh, it's both humbling and empowering in a way that like, it's really indescribable because that's a lot of, it's a really intimate connection, but it's made across such a vast breadth of human existence. Like you can literally see thousands of faces all connected at the same time to that one feeling which you tried to capture with a bunch of friends in this one little piece of art and it um it's just a uh it's it's something like yeah you go you go into a meditative state to a degree where you're like you're just doing this thing like it's when you're in performance mode you really are just in performance mode like for all the calculation and whatever choreography and planning you've got going into it when you're living it um most of the time you walk off stage and you're just like, fuck, like it's, uh, you leave nothing behind and none of it. There's no, there's no chance to 
to second guess anything. Like it's it's the kind of thing we we all know it in the band. As soon as we start thinking, as soon as your brain clicks out of the moment of living, and you're like, shit, I wonder what words next. All of a sudden, you forget all of the words. It literally comes from inside you. So it's a it's a really strange thing because they're both quite intense in what they what they what they give and what they also take to in terms of commitment to execute. But at the same point in time, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's completely different. It's really, really strange. Um, but I couldn't live without either of them. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you've got quite a profound connection with the music and the fans. Um, can I ask this on the music side of things? What's the most memorable moment that, that, that you've had up on stage in your illustrious career, mate? Um, Shit, that's a really interesting one. There's been so many memorable. No, the, probably the most memorable one for me was bringing my mum on stage. Um, Where was that? It was in Germany, like uh, 2018, like the a year before, like before it like went full nuts for us over there, like um, the second last year before lockdown. Like it was, um, it was on the festival run for our last album, and um, we played this festival called Rock and Ring, which is like I think it's like a hundred thousand people, and we we're playing like the second stage. And my mum just happened to be over there. She likes hiking, so she was like, "I'm gonna finally come and see you guys overseas." And um, she saw us the first night, and there was like I don't know sixty thousand, seventy thousand people there. Um, and she watched from like the sound desk, which is like, you can, it's, it looks awesome, but, but that's like a quarter of the way, like deep kind of thing. You don't get to see the full crowd. And from us playing that set, we're like, holy fuck, this is absolutely insane. Like it was the biggest show we'd ever played to date. It was one of those Jesus Christ moments. Um, (laughs) like definitely at a place where, um, we didn't expect it, and yeah, we we had like mates messaging us and stuff because like they were getting the like the the live stream, just going, "What the hell is going on over there? This looks ridiculous." Um, but the next night, like I, I was like, "I'm going to bring my mum on stage so she can look out and see what the crowd's like," because that only like she has only had only seen us play in Australia, and Australia's awesome, but like um, at that point in time, we hadn't had a, a, a decent festival billing and like. We'd sold out like the river stage a couple of times, and that's like ten thousand cap. But there's like there's a difference between ten thousand and sixty thousand. Oh, um, there's a massive difference. About massive difference, and it's, and it's nuts. Like when when you when when that hits you, when you actually look like when you when you reach that level of crowd, it gets to the point where the faces go so far back that they just turn into like color. Like it's just this sea of like speckles of people as far as you can see and you're like that's people back there but they're so far away that i can't even make it out and it's it's a full head fuck of like what like i've never seen as many people in my life so i dragged her i didn't tell her i was going to do it but i dragged her up on stage and introduced her to the crowd and um she introduced a song for us and then jumped around on stage and cried a lot and it was just really nice like it was um it was nice because she she was, at, I'm pretty sure, like our first gig, and she's she's come to all the gigs she can whenever we play in Byron. Same with my dad; like they're super supportive. Um, 
they're the ones that have been like at the back of the youth center, like telling kids to mosh harder and like, <laughs> like super invested in everything that we do. And like, that was the time where I was actually able to say, like, remember where we started, like, look at this now. And yeah, it's, it's just crazy. It's just, it's, it's just a really crazy, nice thing to be able to share that with the people you love, because there's so many people who have helped us over the years and like been there for us that, um, are living vicariously through us and have an immense amount of pride in what we do. But like essentially at the end of the day, it's, it's the five of us that get to look out at the fans and feel that connection to be able to, for her to be able to get that little bit of connection and realize what it's become was a, was a pretty special thing. Yeah, man, that would, that would be amazing. And I can only imagine without much experience in it myself, looking at the differences between an Australian crowd, which obviously would be going nuts and, and, you know, loving it with the energy, but then compared to a European crowd who are just so into their metal and are just like... Just the mass, the mass of human. Once you you get to that point of human, like human mass, it's not even about like how crazy they're going. It literally is just looking out and going, fuck, this many people, eyes are on me right now. This many people are giving up their time because they feel something that they got to be there for. And that's the thing that's humbling. Like the thing for me that really humbles everything that I do is the fact that anyone like time is, time is the ultimate currency. Time is the thing that you, uh, which dictates every aspect of your life. And the fact that something that I would do, we would do as a band is worth anyone's time is the thing that will humble me forever. And the fact that it expands to the point where you're like, shit, this many people, this many people are giving up pieces of their life to experience this with us right now is, uh, yeah, it's like when you look at it that way, it, it, it just knocks you on your ass. Would that be the ultimate high you've, you've ever experienced? Oh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm not quite sure because because I do get lost in this like I get lost in a pretty manic state on stage as well. Like once I go into performance mode, I there's also a part of me me which becomes like it's the competitive like bodyboarder part of me as well where I'm like, right, once it's going, how far can we go? So the high for me kind of gets lost because there's so many moments where I've had a good gig and it can be like it can be like 50 people or it can be 50,000 people where something will happen. I'll be right. Sick. I want to see like if I can get someone to swing off that lighting rig or I want to see if I can get the whole crowd to like circle pit at once or, and once, once I'm in that mindset, I lose track of like the high in terms of like, it's all high, all of it. Like when people ask me, like I get the question all the time with music stuff, like what do you, what do you, what do you like doing the best? Like playing a massive festival gig or playing in a sweaty club. And I'm like, it's, it's all the same kind of thing. Like I'm in the same state. doesn't matter. Like you'll get the same feeling from me with both. I'll adapt to my environment in terms of what I'm in, attempting to pull off, but it's not like either of them is better. So the ultimate high for me, I'm not even, I'm not even sure, man. Like I really don't even know what that's been in my life to be honest. <laughs> it's, 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 to be perfectly honest, listen to you, man. It just seems like you've been on a natural to high kind of natural high the whole time but just just thinking about that with you know dopamine and 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 people searching for those highs and using different sorts of methods either playing on stage in front of a live crowd and feeding off that energy or 
using illicit drugs to reach, you know, different types of highs and, and or, you know, um, drawing the crowd, you know, just, just, just things that, you know, even through a hit through social media, like on, on your yeah. Instagram, that can, that can feed yep. your dopamine. How, how hard has it been for you during your career to manage, um, manage those temptations to, to maybe search for highs in other areas? Because you've been straight edge for a number of years now. Shit, dude, I've been drunk since I was like 19 and I'm about to turn 40. <laughs> it's a solid innings, eh? Solid innings, yeah. No, like for me, it's like it's not even about like, yeah, it's not even about straight edge or anything anymore. It's just not like not even part of my life. So it's, 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 it's interesting. But like it's, it's the temptation for me is never there. Um, and I don't know why, but it was never actually there in the first place before I did drink. Like when I did start drinking when I was a kid, um, and we used to get pretty hammered, like it was to get hammered. Like it was just, it was less about, it was more just about like fitting in and getting that extra boost of confidence. (laughs) To be honest, like I was never chasing it to like, to chase a high. I was chasing it to like do like to give me that confidence to be the person that like, I wanted to be and eventually like I kind of just was like no nah, I'm just going to try and be that person and that was kind of it for me and then it never it never really changed after that and I guess I'm really lucky in the sense of whatever I'm chasing in my life is provided for me by the ocean and by by the the artistic outlet that I get and the the, the love that I have in my life with my wife and that's like that's kind of it to be honest. Like I feel an incredible amount of fulfillment from all of those things. And it's not something that I've had to chase anywhere else. Um, that being said, like, it's very like the, the music industry is nuts, man. Like in, in terms of like what, like it would be in terms of temptation, if I was tempted, Holy crap, dude. It's like, like you can do anything you want whenever you want. It's like it's so hedonistic in the reality of what's possible um, that it's like it's it's pretty fucking dangerous, man. I've lost some friends to this industry due to how strange and how isolating and how like where those vices lead and all of that kind of stuff. It's just a really – it's a really strange existence. Like it's very, very difficult for me to describe – what it's like to live in a in a band, uh, let alone this band, and to, to anyone that's not inside it. And there's very few people that are inside it because it's like it just it, it's it's like a whole nother reality. Like the way you the way you exist and the way, the way that people treat you and the way that the world sees you. It's just such a strange thing. And I, I'm always I feel lucky that like even if shit does get really strange, I can come home to my wife who's known me before this and knows me better than anyone on the planet. And I can go for a surf and, and just, it all just kind of clicks back into like, I don't know, a relatable place because to be honest, like a lot of, a lot of my life has been spent doing something where it's like it's further out than my imagination could have thrown it in the first place. Like you're doing something where you're like, holy shit, I never thought I'd do this in my life. And then a week later you're like, holy shit, I never thought I'd be doing this. And all of a sudden you've been doing those moments for like 20 years. It's it's, it's a pretty weird thing. It's a pretty strange thing to like, pretty strange existence to have. (laughs) Yeah, man. And like full respect for you because I can hear in your voice here and now that, 
you've found your outlets of happiness. You don't need to yeah. chase the dragon, so to speak, man. You don't yeah, need to be looking yeah. for that crazy high because a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, kind of caught in this monotonous rat wheel and they're going around and around in circles. And, you know, even my, like myself sometimes, like having too many drinks or having a smoke and this, that and the other, like you, you know that they're just numbing pain to a certain degree and not so much pain at, at that given time like you're, you're in a really bad down mood but you look to go treat yourself and that's yep. the automatic you know go to it's like getting those naughty couple of tim tams out of the out of the fridge yep. man you know you shouldn't do it but fuck they taste good and they're, refrigerated, yeah. they're crispy and just like damn i'm gonna have another one of these chocolate goodness treats you know dude it's it's completely understandable as well like anyone that thinks the world is an easy place to exist in is fucking lying like if you if you think that this is an easy world to exist in then you've had it you like you live in the top percentage that's the thing because like having come from where we've come from and then being incredibly successful now like i'm i'm like i know that i'm incredibly lucky like i've worked my ass off to do this but i know the fact that the lifestyle i live is not representative of what every one of my friends goes through and the world is not an easy place to live in. And it's, and society doesn't, it doesn't set us up to be able to cope. Like it really doesn't like we're not, I mean, this is a whole massive conversation that you could go down, but it's like, you're not, you don't go through school to learn how to be a good human. You go through school to learn how to fill a job quota. Like you're on a fucking production line to look, to learn how to work and the thing for me that i that i actually do remember from very early on like it was year eight and it was like career day and they're like what are you going to be when you grow up and i'm like i'm 14 i've got no fucking idea and they're like well you got to pick your subjects you got to plan what your life is going to be and what you're going to do for the rest of your life and that was the most insane thing in my mind and i was like this makes no fucking sense like this makes no sense and the longer you go on through life, you realize that you never got taught how to manage a loan. You never got taught about mental health. You never got taught how to open a bank account. Like how, mu how much important, like how to fill out a rental lease, how much shit that you actually need in life did you get taught during school or were you just kind of conditioned to fit into a system that is going at this Dude, point? There's no self-care. There, there no, no, there's no self-care. No. and. And at the end of the day, you're left with, with what society gives you or what society doesn't give you, which is either illicit or, or legal to, to try and give you a bit of reprieve from a lack of like awareness, which you're not, um, provided through the teaching methods that we have growing up. Like there's no, there's very little mental and spiritual connection that you're, you're given as a as a growing human in the west it's almost society. juiced out here like it's yeah that's, it, it, out. of course you're like you literally you're, you're molded into a position a, a fillable position that that can be replaced by someone else just to keep this thing going along um and that's the whole idea of it and then and in the meantime like you're kind of positioned in a place where you've got to kind of deal with it but if you can't deal with it they're 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 molding the next generation to take your place. <laughs> Dude, enslaved under the hoax of freedom, eh? Yeah, man, that's it. That's it. Yeah, it's, that's completely it. Like, and it's a, and it's a really sad scene. I've, I've got plenty of friends that I see do it, and there are plenty of friends that I encourage, like, 
to, to push out of it. And I think I'm like, I'm lucky to have parents who have been like, my mom's a nurse, so she's a carer. And my dad is like a carpenter and was an, was an artist. And so I've got these parents who have grown up teaching me like, I guess to, to value um, imagination and the, the side of humanity that are, that kind of gets neglected in our society. Um, so yeah, it's a, uh, in terms of chasing highs and stuff like that, I think there's there's a degree of chasing highs which is put there just to get you out of the monotony of, of making a buck for someone else. Because at the end of the day, unless you're working for yourself, you're making a buck for someone else. Yeah, man. It's <laughs> working hard. Gone rough. I'll be worth. Yeah, yeah. Well, dude, speaking about like, your support networks, obviously with your mum and your dad and all your good friends, and then you touching on... um. Your wife, man. Like I, I recently uh, saw on Instagram that your wife surprised you with an early fortieth birthday present. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, dude. That was a. So this was possibly, if yeah, this was the biggest surprise I've ever had in my entire life. Um, so my fortieth is actually like it's in a couple of weeks' time, and it's going to be spent in a rehearsal warehouse um, outside Berlin, like. <laughs> doing shit like it's a rehearsal day like it's the most anticlimactic thing you can you can think of and I'd, sounds I'd, like a normal birthday yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but she yeah she um she booked us she booked me into urban down at melbourne was like i'm flying you down there and i'm coming with you with your brother and i was like oh that's sweet that'll be fun like me and my brother it's going to be like 10 degree air six degree water we're gonna fucking freeze and i'm gonna be stuck with a bunch of people with mouths going over the falls and soft tops hitting me in the head but <laughs> that's nice and then yeah rocked up the airport and she'd been bullshitting me the whole time and there was all my mates which was really really nice um and it happened to be pumping and not as cold as we thought which was fucking sick but i i got to surf um i got to surf like with joel um taylor he came down and hit the pool for the first time which was awesome and he's been that's um amazing yeah, dude, he's been training. Um, he's been surfing a bunch actually. Like we started. Oh man, when would have been? It was it was last year before the floods hit. We went for a few sessions on the lid, and um and then he decided that he's gonna go in the adaptive um titles, um and then the floods hit and we got like put off for several months. But he's been hitting it by himself on like a like a little soft top rig for the for the adaptives because you have got to ride a specific type of board. Um, and he actually went down to port this weekend, and um, I think he got second in in like the national adaptive titles, which is mental. Ooh. So I'm not surprised. Like insanely competitive dude. Like all the sessions, like he's coming back in, and he's like, gotta make, gotta make sure Lauren, his partner, like got it on film. I was like, did you get my waves? And like, you haven't changed twenty years, and you haven't fucking changed. <laughs> but yeah, he um he came down to Urban, got like his first proper barrel that he's had in 20 years, which was in terms, in terms of like highs, that's, that's up there. Like, for sure. Seeing him like take off again and pull in and get pitted and like scream when he's coming out was like, it's pretty fucking emotional, man. It was, it's pretty sick. Like I was, I was there the day that like, I, I, one of the most vivid memories of being out at pipe and watching the helicopter come over that day. And like me just going, because my brother was over like that was his first year and he was like i think he was like 16 out at like big pipe and just going holy shit i hope that's not my brother 
and then like getting in and my brother being on the beach and going, oh, sweet, that's all right. And then getting back to the house and finding out it was Joel was like, like just world shattering for me. And I still remember that so, so vividly. So like to be out in the lineup with him again now is just, it's so awesome. Like the sessions that we're sharing together and then him having a, like having a dig at urban it's like it's it was so much like beast beast plus is so much heavier than what what we'd been training in and what he'd been going and he fully just sent it like yeah he got a couple of sick barrels and copped like 30 hard beatings as well <laughs> still came back for more it was it was rad so like in terms of a 40th i couldn't have asked for anything better with a better crew like great great mates just having a good time it's just yeah, it keeps the lid froth going even in, even in Melbourne in the middle of winter. It was sick. <laughs> oh man, it's a bit of a trip going down to Melbourne. You know, I I got there earlier on in the year and um, I didn't even get beast mode, man. I got that um advanced turns or the one yeah. down from it, and it was still epic. Cause the the last half of the session, the half an hour barrels, and you know I went from yeah. a stick to a boog, and I, I had a had a ball, but I could only imagine because of the point you raised in regards to how heavy it is. The way it's designed, coming out of super deep water at the back there and then just coming into this concrete ledge, and you can feel as soon as it hits that ledge, all the energy just washes up onto it. Yeah. And and the the eerie feeling, especially, I, I assume the beast mode, was it in the morning or the night? No, it was nighttime. It was like it was 10-degree air and luckily 10-degree water, like oh. offshore, fucking freezing. <laughs> But the lights, man, the lights yeah. make it so bizarre because it's yeah. this aqua blue, yeah. you know, kind of almost time warp and you're locked in and you're looking at a concrete wall ahead of you. You've got like the lifeguard tower and it's just, it's, it's, it's surreal. It's like time traveling. It's so strange, man. And the, and then, and the fact that like you, you get a barrel or you fucking try and hit it or something and there's no, like you're stoked, but also you're like the mechanical nature of it is so weird that just like, I'll just go out and get the exact same wave again. The exact same one. It's going to break exactly the same is such an odd thing. Like it, it, it provides this really different access of joy in the terms of like the, for all of the disposableness of it, of like, it's not the same as the ocean. It's not that special wave. that's never going to break the same again at the same point in time. Like when you don't have that pressure, it's really fucking fun just to like try different shit. And like that was my second time going down and riding that beast plus, and I blew so many waves just from like what's possible here. Like, can you ride really high and then like try and float the spin over the first section? Like, no, nah, that doesn't work. You just end up doing some weird helicopter. Like, <laughs> can you really like wrap a reverse into the bowl as it's like ledging over? Like all of these different kind of lines. It's the full like lab test, which man, it's such a strange thing because that's what you dream of when you're a kid, eh? Like you draw the wave pool and you just like imagine what you could do if you had unlimited waves, you could try anything you want. And now all of a sudden, like I'm just grateful that my body still functions and I'm like, I live in the era where I can where I can do that. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%, man. And I, I think, um, you know, doing a bit of, not a bit of research, a fair bit of research and writing an article about Tom Moray um, about a year ago. He was one of the first individuals to come up with the wave pool idea and was going to try and make it off um, uh, river or like, I guess, essentially waterfall powered. Yeah, uh, wrong hydro, yeah, hydro push, I guess. I'm, I'm probably poorly explaining it, but like, you know, yeah, setting no, it up near like 
a zone, yeah, and and harnessing that energy and yep. and and spitting people out on on lefts and rights. And I think, you know, the point you raise there about coming into it time and time again and being able to perfect certain moves but then also try a whole different range of moves knowing that you're going to get the same wave each time you're going to approach it differently it's going to make huge leaps and bounds in the sport in regards to progression yeah. and you're probably just going to see like you're almost seeing in surfing now solely wave pull experts that literally yeah. can just oh, like, you know what i mean like you're seeing skaters now in surfing yeah. literally just doing kick flips and and yeah. and Vera flips and, and, and all, all this sort of stuff do you like there's no way that's happening like who's to say that people aren't going to start doing like crazy weird flips with the board underneath you or like you know just so wait until i get a wedge dial like that's the thing like this this uh we're just scratching the surface like right now there's i mean beast plus is really fun on a lid and but it's probably designed for a stick and they're probably just like let's make the heaviest barrel possible but Dude, so knowing the technology that they're using, like we're going to be getting whatever the hell they want to throw at us within the next five years, and it wouldn't surprise me if there's a six foot wedge with a with a huge wrap bowl off the end of it, and people just hucking themselves into like deep water off the end and just throwing like double gainers and stuff like that, <laughs> double like triple spins in the barrel, barrel like barrel rolls where you don't exit the actual barrel, you just roll around it. I don't know. It's like yeah. that, the nature of that's insane. Like even watching, my brother lives in Melbourne, so he spends a lot of time there, like when he can't get away. Like it's, because go with their weather. And just watching the way he can ride that barrel, like Jesus Christ, like he's, he's figured out a way to milk the lines where he can literally just take off on the wall and stay barreled until the thing stops barreling. And I'm like, and that's what, that's what being able to have the same wave over and over again gives you. It gives you being able to figure out these things and really isolate it down because you get the same shot at it over and over and over again. And that's where the progression is made. So yeah, you watch that and then you watch it translate into, into the actual ocean. It's going to get, it's going to get really interesting. I think. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I totally agree. I'm, I'm for one, looking forward to it immensely. Yeah, me too. Oh yeah. Exciting time to be alive, man. Like, we're the generation that finally gets to see, like like I said, the, the sketches on the back of your school books become reality. I never thought it would be the case, but here we are. <laughs> I know. Everything's speeding up so quick. We'll probably have yeah. chips in our head before we know it. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Riding a digital board. <laughs> I know, man. I know. Or the board will start writing. You know, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> well, dude, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you, Winston. I, I can't thank you enough for your time, mate. Cheers, mate. Much appreciated. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I'm stoked that Rippies is back. The Elliot's, it's fucking awesome. And then it's hitting a new a new media as well. This is rad. Yeah, I'm, I'm so that? into it. I'm, I'm so glad they're, they're bringing it back and, and yeah. allowing me to have this platform to speak to cool, interesting people and just get the froth round boogan again, man. You know, it's oh, such yeah, a, yeah. as you said at the start, it's such a cool individualized sport and there's so many outliers, but there's so many... Um, creative freaks in there too that need to be need to be heralded for what they are so yeah oh, thank you for your time dude my pleasure and i actually, I actually think it's a good time for this as well like on the last note i think there's a generation of surfers coming through that actually understand the value of riding a lid i think i know is not alone there's plenty of guys up here who would be out on a lid as much as they're on a stick and they shred it both and that's the kind of way of riding like society that uh that brings the froth froth back that we all know and love with this. So yeah, I think this is the dawning of something really awesome. It's, it's hopefully the dawning of the peaceful age, eh? 
That's it, mate. Very nice. <laughs> Giddy up, man. Well, let's get back to it. Good luck with the um, up-and-coming album and the European tour. And, um, yeah, man, hope you're well. Much appreciated. Have a good one, mate. It was all a pipe dream Watching bodyboarding up on TV Deep at reef Watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds At 18 Living the dream With no sunscreen Yeah we were so keen